0: Hey, what's up, podcast? It's Jeff, and before we jump into this awesome episode of Teach Better Talk, I wanted to give you a little preview of a couple of the sessions that are coming to the Teach Better Conference this November 8th and 9th. If you're not already registered, you can go over to teachbetterconference.com, see all the amazing speakers and presentations that we have coming, and also get your registration. Make sure you use discount code Talk to save $50. Here are just two of the sessions that you will be able to come see as told by the presenters bringing up the Teach Better conference. I hope to see you in November.
1: Hi, my name's Ariel Jankard and I currently teach first grade. I came off of teaching fourth grade last year. Um, and my session is all about coding and the importance of integrating computer science in your classroom. But as a classroom teacher that teaches everything, reading, writing, math, science, social studies, I know how hard it is to find time for one more thing. And so I have found ways to integrate computer science into those other curricular standards so that it's not an additional thing but just mixed in it's also super engaging for the kids and i'm excited to share some tips and tricks to help you integrate that into your classroom if you're not sure about coding this is still a great session for you because i think it will help you see the why behind it all i hope to see you at the teach better conference in november greetings my name is tracy barry mcgee and i am from st louis missouri I will be talking about how I define me, not the bully. Yes, we're talking about relational aggression with girls, how important it is for girls to define their voices and what it looks like when we have positive social-emotional uh, mentoring wellness circles. So I look forward to seeing you all. And hopefully if you haven't registered, you go register now at the teachbetterconference.com. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Everyone, welcome to episode 115 of Teach Better Talk. I'm Ray Hewert, and as always, I am with the very engaging Jeff Gargas.
0: Ooh, very engaging. I like that one.
1: Well, our host said you were really engaging, so I wanted to make sure that was celebrated a little bit because I think that was the first time somebody said you were engaging.
0: Did you just call him our host?
1: Oh, I meant our guest. I'm the you're host. the
0: host, Ray.
1: I meant our guest. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can be I the host, let, Jeff. Uh, uh, you can host with Michael. I'll just be here. Me
0: and Mike. Yes. I think Mike will be a great host, he and I. And then you can be the guest.
1: You'd miss me. Come on.
0: I miss you every day, Ray.
1: Here's That was the nicest thing you've ever said to me.
0: I know. It's crazy.
1: You know, we were together this weekend. And when I say, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, you know, because we were <laughs> literally up until 3 a.m., two nights in a row. And then... We started working at six a.m. Essentially, at least that's when I got up to shower, and then we, like, I guess maybe worked at seven. But regardless, you know, because you were there, because we didn't. Sleep I was all there,
0: again. yes, and it was great. That's, that's true. We did a lot of um, well, we signed a whole bunch of books. We gave, we did a whole bunch of books that we signed for giveaways and all that type of stuff. But then we also did a lot of work related to the Teach Better Conference, which is like. Not very far away. So
1: Jeff, I have the most important question that all of our listeners are wondering, and I am on pins and needles, very much wanting to talk about this topic. So are you ready for this epic question I have for you? Sure. What are you wearing to the Teach Better conference? Uh,
0: That's a great question. I mean, most likely I'll be in jeans with some sort of button down shirt, because that's kind of what I wear everywhere.
1: That is, I don't know that I've seen you in anything but jeans and a
0: button down shirt. That's like, that's just what I'm, I'm comfortable in. It. it typically passes for good enough for like a, you know, business casual type thing. I mean, sometimes I'll have like a business slacks on with it. Jeff like, Gargas,
1: did you just say that it was good enough? You're settling for good enough?
0: When it comes to my fashion, yes.
1: Oh, well, I think you're pretty fashionable. You got some good button downs. I think that's a pretty good option for
0: you. <laughs> That's 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 usually how I roll. it are you doing the prom dress? That's what we discussed. Are you bringing the prom dress? Is that how you well, roll? Well, I was in?
1: I was originally thinking about wearing my prom dress, and then I was thinking of uh, renting a tuxedo because I know people do that. Mm. um I also went shopping today at H and M and Loft, so I think that I have some options in terms of them. I think that Loft should like hire me as their spokesperson because I walk in and they like know me. It's embarrassing, so. I'm I'm I, all about the picking my outfit. It's close enough that I need to start thinking about that th- those things.
0: I, I want to make sure that if you're listening, you're coming to the conference that you do not have to do any of that. You can wear <laughs> jeans and a t-shirt. You can wear a sweatshirt. You can wear a suit. You can wear whatever makes you comfortable enough that you can come in and learn and network and have fun. So like, there is yeah, it, and dance like so whatever you need to wear, whatever is you wear that. Um, mine's going to be a jeans and a button.
1: <laughs> I bet that Dave Burgess knows what he's wearing.
0: I, I'd assume something related to a pirate.
1: Right, that's why his outfit's so easy. Do you think yeah, Adam Malcolm's gonna wear running clothes?
0: Uh no Adam's do Adam usually rocks like Adam has perfected like he's got like a lot of times he like he does like the jeans with a sport coat and j I mean he looks Adam, I don't even have to worry about Adam. Adam's always good.
1: I thought you were going to go into this like rampage of how good, like how good looking Adam is, and I was so excited for it, and then you like stopped yourself. I, well,
0: uh, that I tried. Yeah, I, I was going to get a little too far into how good looking Adam is, <laughs> so we'll just say I'll just leave with like he always dresses well too, so he's good. I'm not worried about Adam.
1: And do you think Tall Tal Thompson is going to wear clothes that are tall?
0: Tal? <laughs> yes. Tal's so tall you can't see what he's wearing anyway. Uh, no. Uh, I I bet Tal will have a tie on. He's typically got a tie on. Oh, interesting. I am a little worried about this conversation.
1: You don't think I should wear my prom dress is what I'm getting from this conversation. I don't
0: think you should wear your prom dress now.
1: I just want people to be excited for the Teach Better conference because I know it's getting so close and we've done so much planning in terms of the experience that our attendees are going to have. This is not going to be like any other conference that you've ever been to. We are changing it up by taking all the things we love and throwing them all together in a two-day experience. I really think this is more of like a like a journey. And Jeff, I'm just... We didn't talk about my outfit this weekend. So I think that's like what I'm concerned about the most. So everything else is done.
0: Can we talk about something that actually matters when it comes to the conference?
1: Oh, sure. What?
0: You know, like how structured and why you're so excited about it. Like...
1: I love that we are intentionally providing like experiences for our attendees to take them on a journey of growth. Like I we're okay. So I'm not going to give away details. I'll try my best, but I'm really excited. Chad is starting us off and I think he's going to really set the tone for the mindset of the conference, which of course is the teach better mindset, but I think he's going to bring up the the journey of what the teach better mindset actually is And then Tiffany is kind of like ending the conference or ending our first day um, with Adam Welcome and the activity that she is having our um, attendees do, I think is going to be extremely impactful. And I will not spoil that because it, it will be worth being there the moment it is revealed. Saturday morning, before I introduce Dave Burgess, we are focusing on some really challenging ideas. Um, Some harsh realities that I'm so excited to facilitate. And then, and I talked about this on a podcast earlier. And so I want to bring it up again. Jeff, I think one of the parts I'm so excited about for the conference, I mean, outside of the networking events, is your ending keynote. And I know that that seems weird because I know our listeners are like, wait, 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 Ray's complimenting Jeff. Like I am because (laughs) you are, how do I say this without spoiling it? You are legitimately. Going to explode people's minds with the activity that you are having people do before our conference ends. Like usually, people kind of ditch out on the last moment of the conference. They're like tired and they've learned a lot. I think that that what you're talking on is the epitome of what the Teach Better team has built every part of our group on. And I'm so excited. I don't know that I answered your question, but I love the structure.
0: I th- I think so. I think you, I think you wrapped it up pretty exactly how it needed to go. So I love that. I'm super excited. If you're not already registered, there are some sp- love few spaces available at this point. Yeah, uh, I hope if there you are go still spaces
1: there. available when the yeah
0: by by the time this actually comes out. I think I think well we'll see. Maybe there will be. Maybe there won't be. But you can try to go. Hopefully there still is for you. Uh, so go to teachbetterconference.com. Use the code podcast talk. It'll save you fifty bucks on either of the two day registrations. Come hang out with us. Uh we're we're getting started with the networking stuff on Thursday night before the conference even starts. Uh so if you're in town for Thursday night, we're gonna have a place for everybody that's gonna be meeting up to just hang out, get to know each other, and then we get going bright and early on Friday. It's past Friday, Saturday. We're we're doing I'm I'm encouraging people to stay. If you can stay in town until Sunday, it'll be worth it. So you can continue to hang out with us again on Saturday and build it. Like Ray said, a a, big, a huge focus of ours, one of the many focuses, one big one in my mind is, is this network opportunity. That's why we kept the conference small by design. That's why we picked a small venue, was so that we're all in there together. We're able to connect. We're able to build actual relationships um, that will last far beyond the, the end of the day Saturday. So super, super excited about that. So go get registered now let's flip to this episode. Let's talk about this. This was a, first off, I can't believe we're at episode 115. That's crazy in itself, but this was a really fun one. Um, with, with Mike. So Mike Rossell is, he's a teacher, psychologist, and currently an associate professor. He's an author of an upcoming book. Um, he has experience. It was, it's 30 years in public education, elementary, junior high, high school. Now he teaches at the university of, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, at, at Southern Oregon University, and he's got a really cool story about one of his classes there and some things have gone on. I love in the middle of the episode, we get him to dive into Surprise, and like that's his thing. And I was so happy that we had him go there, and he got really science scientific on us and de- de- dove into that, and I was just super happy about it. I learned so much. It's crazy. So uh, I'm anxious to get into it. Ray, anything you want the the listeners to take away from this specifically?
1: No, just enjoy, and I think he did an amazing job sharing some scientific information that you can utilize in your classroom tomorrow. So enjoy.
0: Let's get into episode 115 with Mike Rossell.
1: Hey, everyone, it's Ray. We're going to get right back to the episode, but I wanted to make sure you are all registered for Teach Better Conference this November 8th and 9th. It is going to be an incredible two-day event focused on your growth journey as an educator. I cannot be more excited. Please make sure that you use the code podcast talk to save $50 off of your two-day registration. Head over to teachbetterconference.com for all the details and we will see you in November. Now let's get back to the episode.
0: All right, we're here and we are talking with Mike Rossell. Mike, it's awesome to have you on the podcast coming to us from Oregon and super excited to talk with you and get to know you a little bit, dive into your brain and share some stories here before we get into anything. How are you feeling?
2: Oh, well, I'm feeling pretty I'm feeling pretty good. I'm excited to be part of the show. And thanks for inviting me to be on your podcast.
1: Oh, we are going to have so much fun. I know you have a ton to share. Before we dive too deep into it, would you mind kind of sharing with our audience all that you do? I feel like the list must must go on and on, but I think it's going to be really important for them to kind of have a background on you as we dive into all of the stories.
2: Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. Well, currently I'm I'm an associate professor at the University of Southern Oregon in Ashland, Oregon. It's a beautiful little spot here, uh, about 12 miles from the California border. It's sunny, it's beautiful, uh, wine country and lots of adventure leadership programs. Um, Initially, I'm from Canada. I did most of my public school teaching up in Canada. I taught elementary, middle school, high school. I was a public school teacher for about 30 years. And I've taught at the University of Oregon, Southern Oregon, Seattle Pacific, and uh, I'm also a psychologist. I actually spent a few years doing um, forensic psychology and then got out of that. I, I got to get back to education. That's where my heart is. Oh, I love that.
0: I love that you've, you've done all, so many things, and then you, I love how you wrapped it up with, I had to get back to education is where my heart is. So I'm, I'm even more excited that we have you on now. So that's <laughs> great. Uh, I'm looking forward because I, I love you know, chatting with people who have had such an expansive career as you have and done so many things because I, I know there's a lot of good stories for my next question, which is all about failure. So can you tell us about a time that you've had a failure? What happened? How did it make you feel? How did you overcome it? And then what did you take away from that experience?
2: Gosh, when you talk to a guy who, well, I'm sure you do lots of failures too. They, uh, <laughs> I, I, I have to say initially that it was really hard for me to answer this question because, you know, I struggle with the term failure itself. It, you know, it, I've made a lot of mistakes in all areas of my life. And it, and when my cre- mistakes created a problem or a pain for others, I like to apologize and say I'm sorry. But, it, you know, it, it was out of ignorance. I didn't do anything to intentionally hurt or cause you a problem. It wasn't out of malice. Uh, So, but when I make mistakes, uh, um, if I don't like making mistakes, I don't like them, but when I do, it hurts and I don't like it. But usually I can laugh about it later and, and telling how you made your mistake and what you learned is often pretty funny. And funny stories are important because it's good to laugh at your mistakes. If you can, you can move forward a lot easier. So um, but, uh, I'll tell you about something, I, uh, something that happened to me just recently that your uh, listeners might be interested in. They um, Last year, I taught two sections of the very same course. And one section, uh, it was in, um, in responsive learning environments or what a lot of people would, might call classroom management. I had two sections of graduate classes. And at the end of the class, at the end of the term, I got the highest evaluations from any class I've ever got in all my career. It was scored on a scale of seven, uh, seven being the highest or outstanding. And I averaged the score of 6.8. Wow. Blew me away. The other very same class, it was 3.4. It was just two sections of the same class. And those were the worst evaluations I ever received. So, uh, you know, I thought, what am I doing or what? what's going on here? And, and I couldn't quite sort it out. So uh, I was going to teach that class that gave me the very low evaluations. I was going to teach them in the subsequent term. And so what I did was I bent over backwards. I worked extra especially hard trying to meet their needs, trying to do everything I could, trying to really just work extra hard and I found out the harder I worked, the more resentful I became and the more angry because I wasn't initially angry. And I thought, well, you're not responding to me. Everybody else does. And so I started. So what I learned from that is don't go crazy trying to meet other people's needs. And, it, and I have a wealth of experience of 40 years in education. And the vast majority of my evaluations were very good. And here I am working my tail off trying to meet the needs of a small group. And I still don't know to this day why my evaluations were so very low. And that's my story. of fa- I don't even know if that's a story of failure. <laughs> I, but it still hurts. Yeah. It's an, it, no, I think it's
0: an interesting story because I, you could look at it as a failure, but also like I think the successful piece is what you took away from it of not, not – Put in so much value and worrying so much about what, and bending over backwards for someone and kind of take it that way. And uh, hopefully you haven't received more of that really low scores <laughs> and you continue to do better. You know, then obviously yeah. then you may want to look at it. But like you know, realizing that sometimes that's that's how it is and you can't change everything and bend over backwards just because you might have had a bad score there. Uh, I, it would be really interesting to, to figure out maybe go back and ask them, but I don't know if that's even possible. But it would be awesome <laughs> to figure it out. But that is crazy that two of the same courses. Uh, the same course taught to different groups that came up so differently. It was really interesting.
2: It is crazy, and hey, and to you listeners out there, in your first year or two of uh, of teaching, just you know, if you get a bad evaluation, don't go crazy with it. You know, put it in mm. some context and and learn from the bad evaluation, but it doesn't mean you're a bad person.
0: That's incredibly crucial advice right there. So I'm really glad that you added that in. So, now let's flip around. Let's talk about a successful moment you had. And this can be something big or something small, but tell us what happened. Why was it a success for you? And then what did you take away from that?
2: Well, um, I, I teach uh, graduate students and stu- students bec- or who are going to become teachers. So, this year, um, I decided to start my class without telling them by doing a, a thriller dance from Michael Jackson's Thriller. And it was a risky move for me. It was probably a risky move for anybody to to (laughs) start a class when your students had never even met you. And uh, I'm setting up the class. I've got music on. I always have music at the beginning of my class as I'm setting up. And then I just spontaneously broke into a uh, thriller dance. And uh, I had mixed reviews. or Not mixed reviews. The first class I did this with, they were all shocked. They just stood there or sat there and looked at me, and uh, I'm a required class, so they can't drop me. <laughs> 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 and another class, they, uh, I, did a, I started a, another section that same way. And so, um, what was successful about it? Well, I believe that as teachers, we're always asking students to step outside. They're not always. We're often asking students, our students, to step outside their comfort zone. And so I think if we're going to be successful as teachers and ask our students to step outside our comfort zone, we should do it from time to time too. And uh so uh th- that was successful for me. I think I made the point.
1: I think that's a huge component. You know, I I think that your background and being in a lot of different aspects of, you know, teaching is gonna allow you to really answer this question well about what keeps you excited. I think that there's you know, depending on how you got into education, I think that really affects on affects what fuels your fire. So, what is keeping you excited about education and passionate, and you know, wanting to go into classrooms and and start off with a crazy dance? What what really keeps you going? <laughs> hey, w-
2: uh, why are you calling it a crazy dance? You weren't there, right?
1: No, I, I I more so had a really great image in my head that I was like, wow, I wish I was there for that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, hey, thanks. Hey, uh, what keeps me excited? Well, um, I'll try. What happened when when I was young? I had ADHD and I had a reading disability, and so I was I wasn't a fun student to teach because I had problems and I was kind of like that goofy kid who's always off the wall. And uh, I was didn't have any malice or anything. I was just you know hard to teach that that kid who's just running around being crazy all the time. And uh, so very few teachers reached to me. And we're able to. Uh, I, I never really felt connected to a teacher, and, and so um, later on in my life, I, I just hated that whole concept of teaching and being in school. I thought it was kind of like a prison because I never felt like I belonged there. And uh, and then at some point, somebody said, "Hey, I think you've got the skill set to be a really good teacher. You you ought to become a teacher." You know, and that kind of a, that, that surprised me. And then I, you know, in that surprised moment. Uh, I thought about yeah, maybe I do. Maybe maybe I belong somewhere, and so I thought, you know what? If I become a teacher, maybe I can be a person who reaches those students who don't normally get reached. And so that was, you know, that was my juice. that what got me excited, and I became really passionate about reaching those students. And then what I really got excited about after that was, uh, oh, about a decade or so into my career, I started to. Um, wonder how are students getting influenced I, I did a bunch of classes on hypnosis and i wanted to hypnotize things and so uh hypnotize everybody i could i was like that insurance salesman you know you know the, the, the brother-in-law <laughs> that buys insurance and sells it to everybody he knows and then you know run out, Who, what are you going to do now so i hypnotized everybody i could just for the heck of it and then after that there was nobody left to hypnotize so i thought well you know maybe i can hypnotize my students and uh so i wrote the parents said hey parents can i hypnotize your students and they all said sure fine just get them to take out the garbage to their homework <laughs> <laughs> now this was quite a long time ago so i started doing hypnosis and when i started doing hypnosis with students you know uh, just for fun and uh with the permission of the of the uh parents you teachers out there don't try this at home <laughs> <laughs> so uh when i did that uh, I started to get this crazy idea, how are students, because uh, b- basically hypnosis is changing somebody's beliefs. You know, if you believe you're cold, you're going to shiver. If you believe you're hot, you're going to start wiping your brow like you're sweating or something. So I thought, I wonder how this works. So I went to the University of Oregon and I studied how to form, how to change people's beliefs. And I came across this really cool idea. And I studied it for years and years, and, and then I started collecting stories about when did you change your beliefs and how do did, how did these beliefs formation process take place? And after years and writing books and, and, and all sorts of things uh, like that, I came across surprise, the element of surprise. And what I really liked about the element of surprise, and this still keeps me going, is the element of surprise works. During a moment of surprise, we instantly change our beliefs. You know that's just part about how how beliefs or how surprise works. Now, uh, Ray and and Jeff, I don't know if you want me to go on with this. This is this is what gives me my jam and gets me all excited. Uh, should I can I should I just go on and tell you all about how surprise works for me and how it works neurologically to change beliefs?
1: I actually really just wish I could be hypnotized. I wish we could do that right now on the yeah. podcast. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm loving it, man. You tell us. All right, hey, well, uh, let me tell you that when I found out about hypnosis, is uh, that hypnosis is a nice little temporary way to change people's beliefs and to get them to, you know, do something that they temporarily believe in, and then when the hypnosis is over, those beliefs kind of just disappear, and 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 hypnosis takes, uh, you know, a long time, you know, twenty minutes just to do an induction. But I was really interested in how uh, belief, cha- belief formations. Is there a way to do it instantly or faster? And I found out, yes, there is. You can do it instantly and more effectively and permanently. Uh, so, uh, and, and the way to do that is through the element of surprise. Now, let me give you an example of how this works. They, uh, and, and, and it continues to happen you know, because surprise is act- actually pretty ubiquitous. It's around us all the time and um but here's an example uh, just recently happened to me I, I i did a ted talk and uh after i did the ted talk, you know, a few months later it gets published and uh, i was corresponding with this this um author in england who had ri- written a book and he he'd uh, contacted me wanted to know more about surprise and he's and he's uh w- when i looked at my video of the ted talk uh, I, I really liked it, I thought I covered all my essential points. The only criticism I had was that when I was, when I was watching the podcast, I, or excuse me, the uh, video, I didn't like my pauses. I thought the pauses were too long, maybe a bit of a distraction, and I wasn't happy with them. And so, you know, fast forward a few months and I'm talking to uh, this, this author from England And he's telling me, he says, hey, I really liked your TED video. I thought it was brilliant, and I really found it engaged. But what I liked the most was, I thought your pauses were magnificent. (laughs) I thought you were the master of the pause. Boom. Surprise. (laughs) Now, here's what happened. that That simple little sentence changed from feeling anxious about using a pause to now feeling strategic about using my pause. So now, instead of being anxious about pausing, now what I do is I pause thoughtfully, carefully, strategically to make a point. Because after all, I am the master of the pause. And that all happened in a moment of surprise. Now, uh, if I can take a moment and just tell you what's going on there in a moment of surprise, what makes surprises so powerful, and how does that work? Well, um, surprise is basically a neurological burst of dopamine. Surprise is basically an error signal. And what happens with this error signal, it's a moment where you have to stop because the surprise is saying something's just happened that is outside your expectations and your predictions of the way you're walking about and running about in the world. So, what happens uh, is you get this error signal, a big burst of dopamine. Now, we have fast-acting dopamine, which is essentially an error, an error signal, and we have the slow-acting dopamine. And slow-acting dopamine is kind of like a, it's basically, and dopamine is your motivator neurotransmitter. So, think of it this way. Little Johnny is doing his math. He's eight years old. He's working on his math. And... uh, as, as he's working on his math, a teacher walks by, and the teacher says, Johnny's struggling with his math, and the teacher leans over and says, oh, Johnny, you sure struggle with math, and then walks along. Now, little Johnny there is, he thinks, oh, yeah, I, I'm struggling with math. I'm struggling with math. Now, dopamine is your motivator neurotransmitter, so his dopamine just dips a little because he's not that motivated to do math anymore. Why should he? He struggles with it. And they'll fast forward a couple of years, he's in grade five, he's doing some math and the math comes along. He looks, he starts to struggle as we do when we're learning new things like, like math. And then he gives up easily. Why? Because his dopamine level is just dropping a little bit saying, don't waste your time here. Let's go back to that original scenario where, where uh, young Johnny is working on math. And as he's working on math and he's struggling, Now, an enlightened teacher like Jeff Ray walks by and says, hey, the way you stick with it while you're struggling is a sure sign of a strong learner. Now, if if that comment surprises him, here's what happens. Even if it doesn't surprise him, a comment such as that boosts his dopamine, his motivator neurotransmitter. And how does it do that? Well, he's struggling with math, and you've associated it with being a strong learner. So, from now on, when he struggles with math, he should stick with it. Why? Because it's a sign of a strong learner, and he's a strong learner. So, what you do, it comments such as that, whether there's a surprise or not, it boosts it. It boosts it a little bit, and now you're more prone to struggle. When you struggle with math, which is inevitable, you're prone to work a little harder at it. After all, it's a sign of a strong learner, and you're a so- strong learner so what happens during a surprise surprise is a neurological event it's an error signal now schultz out of cambridge shows us that a surprise this error signal this big boom this neurological event that happens to you actually has two phases the first phase is an all alert saying stop what you're doing and you probably know those surprises in your life when you stop you look around and you have to access assess what's going on mm-hmm. And that only lasts a few milliseconds. Just stop whatever you're doing. Pay close attention. And then the second part of the surprise, which is the belief formation process, is learn instantly. Now, the reason we have to learn instantly is because they, uh, our ancestors, in our ancestral past, a surprise usually meant imminent danger or immense opportunity. And if you stop to think about it, you probably perished. And so those genes didn't get pushed forward much. So we have this genetic heritage to learn instantly during a moment of surprise. So what happens is you get this huge neurological burst during a surprise. And if it's a good surprise, that's going to make a, a, your, your, that little dopamine soup that you have, it's all, that slow-acting dopamine, it's going to stick with you and it's going to benefit you and it's going to motivate you to do whatever you are doing. The uh, research out of Leiden University in, in, the Nether- in the Netherlands shows how surprise, this big neurological burst, we don't tend to recognize surprise we, um, as a separate emotion. But surprise is, is, a surprise is always a negative event, even though you can have a positive result. Or a negative result it's always a negative event because a surprise is basically a disruption what just happened and we tend to blend it with the emotion that follows for instance if you if you went to uh if you were at starbucks and this friend from europe showed up and you thought she, she was still in europe and she goes hey hi jeff hi ray and you go wow it's a big surprise and you tend to think that was a great wonderful moment but you forget that it was a surprise and you and surprises tend to blend with the emotions that follow and they boost them so when you surprise somebody like like Nick uh, like that author did with me hey you're the master of the pause when you surprise somebody with that this great big neurological burst the storm it charges it just connects all those axons and dendrites in your brain and makes all this big connection and it's and it's like a belief formation on steroids, it's kaboom, it's there, it's instant. And then ever since then, now when I pause, I do it strategically. Hmm. Anyway, that just gets me all excited. So I teach my students how to, I teach my students and my grad students, how to use surprise strategically to, you know, try to build growth sets and have, I have students notice their strengths and their abilities.
0: I literally just learned more in those last few minutes about like how my brain works and how our brains work that I think I have my entire life. That was awesome. <laughs> that was really cool. I've never, I've never okay. thought about surprise in the way that dopamine works, like, how that works before like that. That's really cool. I really, I'm I'm glad that we said yes for you to go into that and that you dug into that for us. So I appreciate you kind of taking us on okay. that journey. It was really cool. And the connection to, to how that happens with, with learning. And I was thinking the whole time, just like that, that connects to the expectation you have with your student and the way you talk to them can really affect them down the line. So that was really cool. I really liked the science part of that. So Good. awesome. Thanks, so, Jeff. all right. So, so we're going to do something fun now. We're going to, we're going to put you to the test here. We're going to do the next six questions <laughs> and your goal, Mike, is to answer each one 15 seconds or less. You ready to go?
2: Each question in
0: 15 yeah, you got, seconds yeah, you gotta,
2: or you you got, a whole series? You, well, you if you want to
0: go for it, we have had some that have tried to get all six done in 15 seconds, but that's pretty tough. Oh, I man. just go 15 oh. seconds or less because here's what we figured out is when you're talking about things like recommendations and stuff, we tend to want to explain why we recommend them, which makes 15 seconds actually pretty difficult to do. So we'll see how you do here. Okay. Um, all, right. <laughs> all right, you ready?
2: Yeah, I'm ready. All right, what's one ed tech tool you cannot live without? I use BlendSpace and Blend uh, because I use blend Space because I uh, I use media. I use lots of uh, links and everything in each class. So I have a BlendSpace, which is a collection of all these links and media. And you just, I just go to that class and I just pull them off, and they're there to fire off.
0: Awesome. What's a book that you're reading right now?
2: Oh, I just started Educated by Tara Westover, and it's a fascinating book. It's a true story. From uh, the Randy Weaver days, back when, uh, she, when she was an isolationist, a child of an isolationist. Mm. Who do we need to
0: follow on Twitter or Instagram today?
2: I love listening to Daniel Pink. He has what's called the Pink Cast. Now, he's, he's a business guy, but his little Pink Cast is usually about a 90-second video. And every time he sends one, I learn a lot. And I usually pass, it on, pass that wisdom on to my students. And the other one is I love Amy Cuddy. Amy Cuddy from uh, the power po- power posing and all that. Uh, it just seems to make so much sense. So I started following her, and she's she's pretty funny. So I enjoy Amy Cuddy and Daniel Pink. Love it. What's a good YouTube channel or website for educators? Uh, well, I uh, I think Teach Better is probably the top. Uh, I listen to I listen to Science Versus. That's out mm. of Australia. I like I love it because. Uh, they really delve into just goofy, goofy questions and some really interesting questions. So, like, for instance, if you're going to go to the bathroom, should you hover or put toilet paper down in the seat? <laughs> Which is the best? You know. And so they they interview all these microbiologists and they get these interesting ideas. And they all and another one that I really like is a mighty girl, and a mighty girl just seems to have all the cool things that uh, young girls and young women need to to uh, because um, we need to really endorse strong women and and give them every opportunity.
0: Love it. Give us a daily, weekly, or monthly routine every teacher should get into.
2: For sure. All the teachers out there, you need to find something funny in every day. If you can Mm -hmm. find 10 things, great. But you need to find something funny. And it's right there. You don't have to be funny. You just have to find funny. And write down some of those stories. Share them. Share them with your students. Share them with the teachers in the teacher lounge. And weekly, I just got to say, you got to exercise, eat well, and you have to find a life outside of being a teacher. <laughs> yeah. Because we all know teaching can eat you up and it feels so good until one day I'm burned out. <laughs> great, great advice there as well. Uh, and what's the pe- best piece of advice you've ever received? Well, about 30 years ago, my wife was also a teacher. Uh, I was complaining about some student who was hard to reach. And she looked at me and she just said, you know, look after the students who are the hardest to reach because they need you the most. Mm. And there was a surprise moment. And ever since then, I've forgotten that that's why I became a teacher. And ever since that moment, that big reminder got me right back on track.
1: I think you did pretty good, Jeff. What do you think?
2: Oh, I think he did awesome. Right? <laughs> All right.
1: You know, Michael, I want to make sure our listeners can connect with you and continue to not only share in your insight, but see your recent TED Talk. So would you mind kind of uh, providing us your Twitter, your website, however you feel like our listeners can best continue to learn from you and alongside you?
2: Sure. Uh, The Twitter account is pretty easy. It's my last name, R-O-U-S-E-L-L-M. M M for Michael. Rossell M. That's my Twitter. My website is myfullname.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-R-O-U-S-E-L-L.com. And uh, my Facebook page is Michael Russell, if you want to follow. And uh, I'm about nine chapters into an 11-chapter book. I've finished, uh, it's going to be coming out, The Power of Surprise and so so keep your eye open for that one the power of surprise and you can learn all the little nuances of surprise how it works and the science and lots of examples of it in use not just in education but for parenting and business and all oh i love it and after what you shared on this episode, I'm super excited for that book.
0: So we're going to keep an eye out for that. You know, you can find right. all the links and resources, everything that we've talked about with Michael over in the show notes. And I will make sure that when that book comes out, that also gets put in that show notes and link to that. And it's all, it'll have all those uh, links to connect with Michael as well. So make sure you head over to teachbetter.com for that. Be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And if you can give us a rating and review, we'd really, really appreciate that as well. And let's keep taking this one step further. Think of just three of your colleagues who need to hear these amazing stories and then share this podcast with them we appreciate that Mike man this was an awesome episode I really really enjoyed this I'm excited for people to hear I just love the, the dive you did into, into the surprise and stuff so I'm really excited about that we really appreciate you coming on having fun with us and and sharing a little bit of your story man thank you
2: great thank you Jeff thanks Ray for uh, including me in this pretty, pretty awesome uh, show and, and, and website and everything about it it's pretty cool and until next time let's get out there and let's teach better